I'm praying this is our best year ever. Yours, mine, this church's. Now, don't confuse best with easy. Um, I I think my best year is, God, would you have your way? Uh, Whatever that looks like, I want to do that. Um, I've got some ideas. I've got some plans. I've got some desires. But if it doesn't line up to your will, I don't want to do it. Uh, I would rather hard with God than easy without and uh, I want to do what he has called me to do, and I know each and every one of you do as well. It re- I love how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 3. I want to dive right in. Um, if you don't have uh, message notes, you can go to the app, and you can follow along on the app through the message notes. That way, you can also check out the screens. But uh, if you're new to Anchor Ben, that's, that's how we get you the scriptures and the notes. And I want to encourage you, uh, when you come to church, to be ready to take notes. Uh, That today starts a conversation that through the rest of the week, I want to encourage you to dive into and dig into for yourself. But Philippians 3.13, Paul is speaking, and he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is making a statement that regardless of what's happened in the past, I'm moving forward. Uh, I'm straining ahead. I'm planning. And and you may or may not know this, but when Paul wrote this, he was actually in prison. And I love that because you've got a man that's in prison in the natural, but he's not in prison spiritually. He knows that though his situation is dire, his God is giving him hope for a future. And some of you have felt like you've been in a prison, maybe not physically, but last year was probably a tough year for many of you. And it's easy to say, well, but, you know, I just want to make it. You know, last year was tough, and I just want something a little bit better. I want you to know that if you felt like you were in prison last year, I believe God's going to break you free this year. That something supernatural is going to happen. And here's what I know. Even if he doesn't, if you've got God, that's enough. For Paul, he's like, I may not get out, but it doesn't matter. I'm still pressing ahead. I'm straining forward. I'm moving towards the goal that God has for my life. And and I want to encourage us, 2023, let's go deeper than we've ever gone before with God. Uh, I, I don't want to live on the surface Uh, How many of you know that some years can come and go and you're just like, hey, I'm just excited just to be alive. I I don't want to just be excited to be alive here. That was like 2021. We're in 2023 now. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm tired of just making it. Like, God, I want everything. I want to go as deep as I can go. I want to go as far as I can go. I want everything that you have for me and everything that you have for this church. And uh, I'm asking this question. This has been the question that I have been asking, and I'm going to give you my answer today, is what one thing that if I focused on would make the biggest difference in my life this year? What one thing? See, I can't focus on everything, but I mean, no, I can focus on one thing. And, and, and I love that one of the things that, that we've been taught over the years, you know, to move from goals to a word. You know, what's one thing, one area of our life? I think Jesus gives us the answer in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, the one thing that God has really placed in my heart and for this church, and I believe for you, is what Jesus' invitation is. Look at what he says in verse 34. Jesus is speaking, 
Then he called the crowd around him along with his disciples. So Jesus is walking down the road. He's got his disciples. He's got the crowd. And he gets the crowd's attention. And he is going to talk to both, but extend an invitation that I believe is the invitation for us today. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. So in other words, people are all around. But just because you're around doesn't mean you're a disciple. You can be in his presence, but not on his team. And he's got the disciples standing around, and he's like, look, if you want to be like a disciple, here's, here's all you got to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but somebody needs to teach, teach Jesus how to do a better invitation. Uh, isn't it funny to me how his invitation, and like an invitation we'd have, we'd be like, hey, who wants to go on vacation? Who wants to have a good time? Let me give you all the benefits and then if I can coerce you and give you enough of the benefits, then maybe you'll do what I'm asking you to do. Jesus is like, no, no, you just need to know right up front. There's an invitation, and the, what you gain from the invitation is unfathomable. Salvation, eternity with God. However, I'm not going to try to lead you with the carrot. I'm going to tell you the cost. And so he begins to say, look, you want to be a disciple? Here's what you're going to have to do. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and here's his invitation. Come and follow me. Would you come follow me? And then he goes on. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? And so I don't know what your dreams are this year. I don't know what your goals are this year. But the key is, God, let your will be done. That, God, I don't want to gain the world and lose my soul. God, I don't want to lose sight of the most important thing in my life, which is you. Jesus, I want you to be the main thing. And that, that's the one thing this, this year I, I want to challenge us with. It's that we would accept Jesus' invitation, that we would follow him, and here would be the word, become a disciple Disciple. God, I, I, I want to be a disciple. That's the invitation that is extended to, to each and every one of us. And if you think about it, it's a significant invitation that as we are extended this invitation, here's what's interesting. Each person has to either accept it or reject it. So think about that. It's not a husband and wife deal. Like it's not, hey, we, we, we can, but the truth is your wife can accept the invitation and a husband reject it. That it's not even about your parents or your children. No, each person has the responsibility to say, yes, I'll be a follower of Jesus. Now, now I know that it's, we live together as families and we make commitment as families, but don't mistake in your family's commitment with a commitment for you. Do you realize this, that, that nobody's going to be with you on the day of judgment? That it's just going to be you and God and it's, it's not going to be, hey, honey, come stand with me. No, it's going to be you individually. And you're going to have to give an account for your life. Did you accept the invitation or did you reject him? And here's what I would challenge us with today. Let us accept his invitation. Let us become disciples and followers of Jesus. And I know that there are so many different types of people in here today. Some of you are brand new to the faith. That's awesome. Then I got some of you here, you've been living for God for a long time, so, so when I talk about accepting the invitation, your response would be something like, well, Pastor, I've been doing this a long time. I accepted his invitation a long time ago. Here's what I would challenge you with this year. 
Can we go deeper with God than we've ever gone before? Can we challenge ourselves to, to go further? And, and he, here's what, if you're like me, I, I have found if I'm not careful, I will judge myself based on other people. I say, well, God, I'm better than most. Anybody ever said that? You're like, I'm doing good. Why? Because I'm doing better than them. I'm doing good. Why? Because I'm not where I used to be. But do you know that God's not going to say, hey, you're doing good because you're not where you used to be? He's like, are you where you're supposed to be? Like the, the, the litmus test is not, am I doing better than most? Am I doing better than I've done? No, the litmus test is, where am I now? Am I where God wants me in my life? And I want to challenge you. Maybe you've been a disciple. Maybe this is your challenge to go deeper with God. Maybe, maybe it's, I'm not only going to be a disciple, I'm going to make a disciple. Maybe this is the year that you go out into the world and you seek and save the lost through the power of Jesus Christ. You say, yeah, but pastor, they cuss. Yeah, but so did you. Pastor, they drink. Yeah, but so did you. Pastor, they're sinners. Yeah, that's exactly right. So maybe the deeper for us is to go out into the lost world where lost people are at and actually be the hands and feet of Jesus to show them the love of God and to do what Jesus did. Don't you love Jesus? He just tore up the religious establishment. Because if you're not careful, religion will have us come inside these four walls, feel really good about ourselves because we're better than those sinners, and yet the whole time miss the mission that Jesus called us to, to go into the world and make disciples disciples of all men. So maybe it's I'm going to be one, but I'm also going to make one. And for others, you know, you are brand new. And so when you were to accept this invitation, come and follow me, here's what I want to challenge you with. Not all of the benefits. I'm going to challenge you with what it's going to take. It's going to cost you. What's it going to cost me, Pastor? Everything. It's not going to be easy. It means that we discipline ourselves. You, you, it, here's how I would put it. It's radical. Radical. That the invitation is not something that just makes me feel good. I show up on a Sunday. If all we're doing on a Sunday in our faith is showing up on a Sunday, we've missed it. It's really nothing more than organized religion. Discipleship is, God, I'm going to get up. Well, Jesus' pattern, if you say when, is early. What I'm going to do, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to worship. Why? Because I got to? No, because I get to. I'm a disciple, and it's really hard to follow Jesus if I don't know Jesus. It's really hard to live the life out if I don't uncover his spiritual truth and then apply that spiritual truth to my life. And so there's a radical commitment that Jesus is calling us to, and we go from the crowd to the committed. We go from being fans Got a lot of fans to becoming a follower. It's like I'm not just going to be a consumer, but I'm going to be a contributor. That God, I'm going in, all in with you. Why? Because I'm going to follow you. And this series, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next four weeks. I want to go deeper into this idea of I have decided. Do you know it's a decision that you get to make? Could, could you imagine how God, I mean, he, he's not making anybody make the decision. It's a decision that you and I get to, to make. We get to say, yes, Father, I'll follow you. And it's, it's interesting how we can easily make the decision when we're in trouble. How I many know when you're struggling, your marriage is falling apart, or you're bound up in drugs or alcohol and all the things that entangle our lives, that when we're desperate, it's like, I'll follow you. 
I found it's not the desperate times that matter most. It's the times when we're blessed, we're prosperous, things are going well. What tends to happen is we lose our focus, and instead of following Jesus, we end up following the ways of the world. And so I want to talk to you about three decisions that I have personally made this year, and I want to invite you to make these decisions with me as we kick off the first part of the series. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Because what I want to do is I want to put some handles on this idea of following Jesus, being a disciple. What does that mean? How can I equip you so that we go out and live this thing out? And it's, uh, I'm going to bring this to a story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's the story of Mary and Martha. If you've been around church at all, you've probably heard this story. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way, and they come to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. And uh, then she has a sister, her sister's called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So you can imagine, Jesus' disciples walking by, come see Jesus. He comes into the house and clearly is teaching, talking, uh, spending time with them. And Mary is sitting at his feet listening. And then you've got this, this interaction where Martha is distracted. Who says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, a lot of times I think Martha, in this story, she catches a lot of flack, but if i got to be candid, I find myself a lot like Martha. You know, and sometimes we read the Bible, we always want to assume we're the hero. You know, we're like, oh, I'd be Mary. No, I'm not even going to lie to you. I wouldn't be Mary. I'd be Martha. But I think that there's some things we can learn on both sides of this interaction that we can make some decisions in our life that will move us forward in being disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And though Martha catches a lot of flack, the thing I love about Martha is that Martha is the one that went out to meet Jesus and invited Jesus back into her home. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't Mary. Mary benefited from it. But Martha actually went out and said, Jesus, look, you're coming, coming by. Just come, come to my house. And so she brings him into her house where Jesus and the disciples are spending time. Uh, how, how many of you know that when you go to somebody's house, that's a whole nother level? You know, that's, the, that's it. when we really friends if I've been to your house. You've been to my house. Because how I many know you, you can't hide everything when someone walks in your house? If they never come to your house, they'll never know all the things you're hiding. But I, I like to go to people's houses. And I don't know about you. I like to look in the junk drawer. I think that tells you a lot. <laughs> I just imagine Jesus, the invitation. You know, he's, we read about it in December, how he's watching them give the I bet Jesus was meddling in junk drawers. Hey, Martha, what kind of rooms do you have where you don't let, you, you know the room nobody can go into? What do we say? Martha gave Jesus full access to her life. And I believe there are a lot of us here today, myself included, that if we're not careful, we'll restrict Jesus' access in our life. Like we can come to church, but we put Jesus at arm's length. So my decision is, Jesus, I want to invite you into every area of my life. Full access, unrestricted access. I, I don't want to compartmentalize you. I, I get a little concerned when, 
we, you know, is, is if we're not careful, there'll be a version of you at church. There'll be a version of you at work. There'll be a version of you at home. And then how many know some people got a version of a different person on social media? You're like, who in the world is that? And none of them line up. It's like at work, you're this. Church, you're this. And, and so what do we do? And we're, we're saying, God, I love you, but you can't have access to every area of my life. Like, I'm going to push you away. And yeah, I'll serve on a Sunday. But the question is, where are you at on a Saturday? And why are you posting where you're at on a Saturday? It's because we don't even think twice about it. We're not understanding what it means to be a disciple. What we have done is we've come to organized religion. This ain't organized religion. This is about being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And if he's going to be your Lord and your Savior, he has to have access to every part. And it ought to all line up. There should be no uh-ohs, no skeletons, no whoops. I didn't mean for you to see that. It ought to be God. It's all yours. Think about, I think it started as we bought this whole lie that your faith has to be a personal, private expression. No, no, no. That's just a lie from the pit of hell. Your faith ought to be demonstrated in every environment. They ought to know you're a Christian at work. They ought to know you're a Christian at school. They ought to know you're a Christian in your neighborhood. They ought to know you're a Christian when you're driving. A little tougher on that one. But I got my sticker on my car, so they know I go to that church that... There should be one version of you. What is that? Imperfect follower of Jesus. Yeah, but you know they're going to hold me to a standard. Well, God holds you to a standard. And I think if we would actually let people know about our faith, it might actually hold us accountable to try to live it out. And, and that's all I'm saying is, God, this year, I want you to have unrestricted access to every part of my life. There's no conditions. I mean, I mean you, we've all kind of been there where we negotiate with God, Right? God, you can have this, but you can't have that. I'll give you this friend, but not that friend. You can have some of my giving, but not all of it. You know, we do just enough to appease our conscience to make us feel better, but I need you to know that just enough is not God's standard. His standard is everything. Why? Because he is worthy, because he is holy, because God Almighty came to this earth wrapped in flesh, died on the cross, and we have salvation. He's worthy. Otherwise, here's what I would just say. Just stop playing the game. Like, go live like a sinner and get saved when it's time to get saved. Or run the risk and go to hell. Because even, here's my biggest challenge, and this is, you could be in church and still headed straight to hell. But the devil has deceived you, and you feel really good because you show up on a Sunday, and you're better than most. The standard is not better than most. The standard is perfection, and the only way to attain perfection is through the blood of Jesus. God, we give you every, everything. So somebody say, so, so PJ, you're asking me to like, get rid of all my friends? I don't know your friends. The very fact that you're asking the question to me is a concern. <laughs> what I'm asking you to do is invite Jesus into your friendship decisions. Jesus, here's my friends. What do you think about them? See, see the day of this whole deal where you're going to judge me, ain't nobody judging you. You do whatever you want to do. 
I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to love God. I'm going to build a great church. I'm going to keep reaching people. So, but here's what I do know. There has been this movement like everybody going to judge you. No, 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 no. Just invite Jesus and make the decision. I, I, I mean, it's so interesting how God, we're not all on the same playing field. Someone can get saved and smoke for three years, and then three years after getting saved, God deals with them about smoking. Someone can get saved, and the day they get saved, God said, stop smoking. Who's right? Both. So why are we going to judge? I'm not trying to judge you. I just want you to invite Jesus. And then whatever he says, I'm going to be in agreement with you. Come on. That's awesome, man. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Because I know if I can make you fall in love with Jesus more, he'll deal with your sin. If we could just show up and, and have a relationship with him, God will convict you, and he does way better than my condemnation. Well, what about my playlist? Well, ask God how he likes your playlist. You know, some, you know what? How, how does God like your social media? I mean, you just see how when you invite him into every part of your life, it's like, okay. I, he'll do a great job of talking to you if you'll listen and ask. Here's my, my second decision. I've decided I'm going to get rid of every distraction. Because now, now I'm going to go to Martha because I, I feel like I have a tendency of Martha. I get a little distracted by the details and the, not the details, I'm not a detail person, but the administration. I like all the organization and so, so I, I tend to get a little distracted and here's the problem with Martha, right? She, she goes through the effort. She invites him in and she allows a distraction to rob her of the very thing she was desperate for, the presence of God. So I think you've got to have both. We don't want to, like, Martha got him there. But now I need to act like Mary. Now I need to get rid of the distractions and say there is only one thing that is needed. See, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So that's what Martha, Martha was just busy. And, and here's the deal. It was needed things, but it wasn't the right thing. And, and so we want to say, God, I don't want to be distracted. This year, I'm going to get rid of all the distractions. Because what you're looking for many times is right in front of you. You're just focused on the wrong thing. Focused on the wrong thing. I read a story, a very interesting story about a leader in the Soviet Union. Told of a time where there was a wave of petty theft that was happening in Russia. And to stop all of this petty theft, the authorities put guards around factories and facilities. And at one of these factories, it was actually a lumber yard, the guard knew all the workers who were coming in and coming out of the factory. And the first night of the guard standing on duty, a man came out with a wheelbarrow. And on the wheelbarrow, there was actually a bulky sack. And it had a whole bunch of, it just looked suspicious. Like, okay, why does he have a sack? On, his, on the wheelbarrow. The guard said, look, what, what are you doing there? And the guy said, well, I'm just hauling sawdust out of the lumber yard. The guard said, look, I was born, but not yesterday. And uh, you're going to need to tell me what's in this sack. And so the man gets the wheelbarrow and he empties out the sack. And sure enough, right on the ground is a whole pile of sawdust. And uh, the guard said, okay, pick it up and let him go by. Well, this happened night after night for an entire week. And now this guard, his curiosity overcame his frustration, and he's like, look, if you tell me what you're smuggling out of here, because I know you're smuggling something, I'm going to let you go tonight. And this guy knew the severity of the situation. He's he going to get in big trouble. And so he, he tells the guard, he's like, okay, wheelbarrows. I'm smuggling wheelbarrows. What he was looking for was right in front of him. But he was focused on the wrong thing. 
And I wonder if what we're looking for is right in front of us, the presence of God, the power of God. And we get so distracted by life and the things the enemy brings against us because if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. And it's like, God, I don't want to get distracted. I'm going to focus. And that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting are all about. Over the next 21 days, it starts today. We're praying. We're fasting. Why? Because we want to focus on what's the most important thing for us to focus on. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I love Paul's talking about getting rid of all these distractions. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked before us. Isn't it interesting? Everything that hinders and sin that easily entangles us. And I love that the Apostle Paul says that because he's like a giant in the faith. And if he says sin is easily entangling me, I mean, no, it's easy for sin to entangle us. Why? Because you're human. Why? Because we're on this side of eternity. We hadn't reached perfection. And so we've got to make sure, like he says, I'm going to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. That's why, you know, I found myself, I'm not trying to get to a goal I just want to stay on the right path. Like I got goals, but I've often learned that my flesh tries to get God to do what I want instead of just saying, God, what's my path? I, got, I believe this is your, your goal. I believe this is the destination. But God, if I could just stay on the right path. And here's the thing. I just want to keep moving forward. I'm not going backwards. And I'm going to get rid of all the distractions. And even with fasting, this, this is a time where we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I want to encourage you. In August, it's 21 days, days of we call prayer and feasting. <laughs> uh, this one is where we're getting rid of stuff. What are we doing? We're getting rid of distractions. We're saying, God, I'm going to go, out, go without things that I like for the one that I love. And so there's a couple of types of fasting. You go into the app. I've asked them to make sure we have some great resources on fasting. We've been talking about it. So hopefully many of you have already made your decision. But you can do a complete fast. Someone says, what's a complete fast? complete. No food. And so you do water and juice and liquids and you say, God, for 21 days, I'm going to get rid of what, what I naturally need for the one that I need more. And then you say, so, so here's what you got to understand. Fasting is not a hunger strike and it is a terrible weight loss plan. You think you'll lose weight? God like adds extra pounds later because you had the wrong motive. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so what, what we do when we fast we're getting in position God never changes we change we get out of alignment and so fasting is putting us in the right position and it's asking God to let us see clearly and so we say God in this 21 days it's not that I just don't eat what am I replacing it with right. prayer scripture reading worship does that make sense I'm getting rid of natural food for spiritual food complete fast. You also have a selective fast. This is where someone say, if you've read Daniel, like the Daniel's fast, 21 days of no meats and sweets. And so you're just selecting things out of your diet that you're like, and, and I'll never forget, <laughs> we do this every year as a family. And it was a couple, I mean, my kids probably were seven, eight, you know, 10, 11. And we're going around the table and my precious little girl, the littlest one I have, uh, we're like, what are you going to fast? And everybody's serious. And you know, I'm like, man, it's so good, so good. Raylan said, I'm going to fast vegetables. 
No. No. So it's not even just like, I'm, no, no, what, what do you love? What do you really crave? You know, I've had people say, well, I'm going to fast uh, caffeine. Cool. Some of you just like, oh, no, don't mess with my caffeine. Well, that's where you got to decide. And so you're just saying, I'm going to take this out because of the one that I love even more, partial fast. Uh, and th this is where you can, you know, we, there's Jewish fast where you're sun up to sundown. You don't eat food. You just eat anytime outside of, you know, where the sun is shining. Um, and so you just, you find a fast that works for you. And then you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on you. Get rid of distractions. And then one thing I always try to add to the fast is a soul fast. And, and what I mean by that is, what do you find that robs you of your time? I mean, have you ever, and you know, I, I don't only speak because I'm a guy, but it's like, so, social media to me is something that, I mean, it's crazy. How I many know you could be one thing and 30 minutes later, you're like, what in the world? I am so irresponsible. Guys, let me put it to you like this. You've been sitting on the toilet looking at it so long, your legs go numb. <laughs> there, yeah, you got it now, yeah. When, when you lose the feeling in your legs, you've been looking at it too long. And it's just, you know, and it's just like, and none of it matters. None of it matters. You know, so all I'm saying is, is there something we say, God, that's a distraction. Am I saying forever? No. But what's a distraction? Maybe it's news. Maybe, you know, it's sports. I know. Don't let me mess with that. But what is it? And then say, God, I'm going to detox from that because I want you more. Here's the third decision that I'm personally making. I've decided to prioritize the presence of God in my life. That this year, more than ever, I'm going to prioritize presence over tasks. Presence over even some of the responsibilities that are necessary. And then believe that as I prioritize his presence, those responsibilities will get done. See, if you're like me, a lot of times it's because... I'm, I'm so, I feel such responsibility. I'm like, well, it's almost irresponsible. And what I've learned is when you put him first, what would normally be impossible becomes possible because his grace is there. His strength is there. And it's done in a way that brings people closer to God. And so I'm just, God, I'm going to prioritize your presence in my life. I mean, that's what Mary did. Mary saw all the same things, but Mary said, no, I'm going to prioritize your presence. That Jesus, you're the source of life. And here's my concern with even modern Christianity and even, you know, some of my life. And, and you can bit, get so good at doing what we do that you don't really need God to do it. Right? I mean, I don't do all the things I used to do. I'm not wrapped up in all the old stuff. And so what will happen is, well, I live a good life. Like, I do pretty good. And then if you're not careful, you'll, you'll get to where you do the work of God, but not have the power and the presence of God. And we fight for that all the time here in this church, and we fight for that as a staff. I tell the team all the time, it's like, listen, and I told the worship team, even as we started to prepare for 21 days of prayer, I was telling Pastor Alexis, I said, hey, listen, I don't need you to be gifted and perfect and pitch all right. I need you to be anointed. The problem with that is anointing isn't cheap. Anointing doesn't come by practicing your licks. It doesn't come from studying the music. Anointing only comes in one way, and that is in his presence. You can't fake it. You can't manipulate it. You can't manufacture it. And my concern is we go places where God's supposed to be, and what we see is talent but not anointing. 
And so I tell them all the time, listen, I need you anointed. I want you to be good, but if I had to choose, you need to be anointed. I told her every Sunday I walk up on this stage, I'm looking for the anointing. It's what I fight for. Why? Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke, not some perfectly crafted message. I like humor, but if I got to pick humor or anointing, I'm going for anointing. You understand? It only comes one way. How is that? It's in his presence. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, Paul talks about, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded a couple of things. A lot of good things. Everybody say everything. Imagine. Here's what I would ask you. If you haven't discarded everything, maybe you've not encountered Jesus like Paul did. There is something about when you have a true encounter where you recognize, and I'm not talking about slipping and, you know, at times and seasons, and, but the everything. God, I give you everything. Yeah. Counting it all is, look at what Paul says. He said, garbage. Could you imagine? That's how amazing God is. Whatever you think is great, Paul says it's all garbage when you experience him. For what? Gain Christ. David said it like this. This is a common theme for the people that have encountered God. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. What's David saying? I just want to be in his presence. I just want to be wherever God is. And he doesn't say 21 days. He says, what, for the rest of my life? Imagine, this is the king. He has everything. The richest man, the, he, the, David and the Israelites, the greatest offering that has ever been given in humanity. And David is saying, all of that, no, 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 no. You know what I want? I just want time in your presence. And David didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have the Holy Spirit today. So my question is, why are we different? We shouldn't be. I wonder if it's because we've not really experienced the power of God at this level. One thing, God's presence. And this is what 21 days, I just want to give you a little bit of what's happening. Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., we'll come in here and we'll do corporate prayer and worship. Really, it's a prayer service. And then on Saturdays at 9 a.m., we just do it for 21 days. And I know it's early because, hey, hey, I get it. People, you know, my family, we've been doing this we'll almost it'll be 10 years. Uh, this year, we celebrate our 10-year anniversary here as a church. It's pretty phenomenal. <clears throat> we've done it every year since even before we started it. And I was prepping my kids this week because my kids know. I, I mean, I, I know all the families that bring their kids. My kids were, I mean, three years old. I'm bringing them in. Why? Because I want them to experience the presence of God. See, some of you are trying to get your kids to act right. You just need them to fall in love. Yeah. And so we, we let them do everything else, but we won't bring them to the house of God. Put them in all the sports. Sports won't change your life. I'll get a scholarship. I don't need a scholarship. I need a Savior. Then you put them in the presence of God. They may run, but they'll always come back. Why? Because they experienced Jesus. 
And I know, listen, 6 a.m. is early. People say, well, I gotta readjust everything. Yep, that's what a disciple is. My boss won't let me. Here's all I would ask you, ask him. It's one of the things I love about Jonathan and the worship team. You know, they, they'll be here at 6 a.m. We sing, we worship. And I always challenge all of them because everybody has secular jobs and works. And I always say, just ask your boss. And here's what I've found. When someone asks their boss, the boss will say yes. And then the next time it's easy because they're a better employee once they've spent time with Jesus. In fact, your boss is like, oh, you do it all year long. So just ask. And then if you can't, then join us online and be a part at anchorben.com. Just be a part. Here, what, what am I saying? I want to value his presence. I want to prioritize his presence. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It reminds me of a story about an old Shakespearean actor who was known everywhere for his one-man shows and readings and recitations of the great classics. And every night he would end his performance with a dramatic reading of Psalm 23. And each night the actor would begin, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The crowd would begin to lean in intently and by the end of the recitation of this psalm, the crowd would stand in thunderous applause and praise of this actor's performance. But one night, the very back of the room before the actor was to begin to recite the psalm, a young boy raised his hand in the back and said, Sir, tonight can I recite the psalm? The actor thought, absolutely. This unschooled, uncultured boy is no match for me. Brings him up, stands him in the center. Young boy begins to recite, the Lord is my shepherd. The end of the reciting of the psalm, there was no standing ovation, no thunderous applause. The only thing that could be heard was weeping. Every eye filled with tears. The actor taken back, I've done this my whole life. I've never had a response like that. How in the world did you get that response from the crowd? The boy said, see, you know the Psalms, but I know the shepherd. <laughs>